Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Masterclass. I'm here with my good friend Dave. As always, I just interrupted him mid-sip. Dave, how are you, sir? I'm well. I was told uh, this past week that you're the one, you're the you're the exciting, energetic one, and I am the uh, calm, mellow voice <laughs> of the podcast. So. Who told you this? <laughs> Gretchen. Oh, our, our book winner. Yes. I'm the excited one, huh? Yes. All right, well, I will uh, attempt to live up to such a title. And she said you were funny, too, so apparently I am All not right. funny. I will take that. Gretchen, we are now friends. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so this is it, episode 12. Let's do some follow-up, shall we? Let's do that. We have follow-up, Dave. I'm so excited when we have follow-up. <laughs> All right, so uh, last week we talked briefly a bit about um, Bible apps on your phone or your tablet or even your, your computer, perhaps. Yes. And I made my um, dislike of the version design known, um, and I said that I really enjoyed the ESV app based on its simplicity, its um, minimalistic design. It does one thing. And it does it, I think, pretty well, whereas the Uversion app is incredibly powerful and has 9 million different things you can do with it, but it just, it's too much for me. Um, and so I was playing around with the ESV app this week, and um, I realized there there's a few things about it that I don't like. Um, its recognition of touch isn't the greatest. So, like, if you have reader mode turned on, when you when you scroll, it takes the the title bar at the top and the the bar at the bottom they disappear so it's just a full screen text which is great except for when you want to like oh say highlight a verse or make a note well you've got to touch it and then sometimes it doesn't recognize that you touch it and you touch it again and those bars come back then you got to touch it a third time for it to highlight and then you have the option to so it literally could take you up to four or five touches <laughs> just to highlight a verse that's not ideal no no, I remember you version. You tap a verse, boom, it pops up. Do you want to make a note? Do you want to share the verse? Do you want to highlight it? All that sort of stuff. Um, so, oh, also, if you tap a verse in the wrong spot, you can also accidentally hit one of the cross references, and that'll pop up oh, instead yeah. of highlighting the verse. Um, so, not ideal. So, I'm not a total uh, homer on this one. There are some <laughs> issues in it, um, and also the reading plans which look really pretty on the ESV app. In the version app, you can just touch plans, and it'll say current plan, you know, 43% complete. You touch that, it takes you right to today's reading. Right. Or right to where, you know, it'll take you to today, but then it will also show you if you're behind. Uh, and the ESV app, it's a scrollable list. And the one that I chose is like, I don't know, three quarters of the way down the list. So in order to get, as far as I know, the only way to get to my current reading plan is to touch the plans button, scroll all the way through all the lists, find my plan, tap on that, and then go to my day's reading. And I just feel like there should be a button that says, like when you click on plans, it should be at the top, it should be current plan, and then all the other available ones. Um, so a quick link to today's reading would be good. So those are the detractors I found in my favorite Bible app. I just wanted to show everybody that I wasn't hating on you version just to hate on them. <laughs> the one that I choose is not uh, perfect either. But we did uh, ask everyone last episode, and I sent out a tweet the other day uh, asking everybody what their favorite Bible app was. And an old buddy of mine from college, uh, Josh Kennedy, who we used to work in the library together because we were super cool and had lots of friends. Um, 
We worked in the library. It's actually the best job on campus because you got paid to do your homework. <laughs> you went and shelved books for an hour, and then the rest of your shift, you got paid to do homework. So you listened to music while you <laughs> while you shelved books, and you got paid to do your homework. It was a great gig. Um, he said he used to use Uversion, uh, but now he uses uh, New Bible, N-E-U Bible, and you can find that at uh, N-E-U-B-I-B-L-E dot co. And I'd never heard of this one before. No. Um, but, you know, leave it to Josh to be on the cutting edge of what's cool and trending. Um, so I went and checked it out today. And right now it only comes with four translations. It comes with the web translation, the World English Bible, the American Standard, the King James, for those of you that are from Pensacola, and for an in-app purchase of $1.99, you can get the New American Standard. Um, so what what I see New Bible as this app um, it's kind of like an in-between the ESV app and the version app. It's got more than one translation. It's got super quick search, uh, but it also has really, really nice design. It's very, it's very simple. It's very elegant. Um, and there are some, some ways to change the design as well. So it kind of seems to me to be a mixture of a really, really simple, um, basic app like the ESV app versus, you know, and somewhere in between that and the chaos that is the DU version app. Um, and so I'd never heard of that one before. So if you guys are looking for something that's a little less chaotic than the U version app, but you don't necessarily want to read the ESV, maybe the new Bible. Uh, and again, that's N E U Bible app is uh, something you want to try out. See, so you- I want to defend the U version because I don't feel like it's all that uh, difficult to navigate it. Defend I mean, I, away, Dave. <laughs> well, I have my, I mean, I go to the home page and I hit plans and my plan comes up. That's the only thing listed. I click I on it. It tells me um, I'm at day 167 of this particular plan. It tells me that I'm 45% done. It lists my past plans. Um, and then if I choose to read scripture, I click on the read. I click on uh, the books. And then it pulls up the different books. Click on the book. And then it gives me the chapters. Um, not only that, but there is an audio option. On you yeah. version as well. So. My, my wife calls him George. <laughs> George. <laughs> and every once in a while at Life Group, someone will be like, all right, who can read, you know, Ephesians 4? So like, George can do it, and she plays it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Uh, the other thing I thought was kind of cool is, and this is just, I think, uh, implicit to anything that you do online these days, is they are clearly keeping statistics of who's reading what and where on you version And... Uh, Again, I, I think it's it's the nature of, of going online to do this kind of stuff these days. Uh, but interestingly enough, they, they can articulate things like, you know, in uh, and I don't know the particular places where this is occurring, so don't hold me to this. But, uh, you know, in Venezuela, Uversion app readers is up 800% over last year, which uh, to me is kind of cool to see. Um, the translations of the version of the Bible going to different places around the world and being able to use it. And that is the other thing I do like about that is that um, uh, Cam is slowly converting me to ESV uh, for my... <laughs> Victory my, is mine! My NIV background. But up in the right-hand corner, I can click on it, 
And for me, the four versions that I generally go to are NIV, because that's what I grew up reading, uh, the English Standard Version, because I'm starting to enjoy it and the way uh, it reads. I like the message. Mm-hmm. I, I just get a kick out of that sometimes, or sometimes I actually get a good chuckle out of <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of the message remix? No, I have not heard of the message remix. Oh, I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes, guys. It is uh, Genesis, and I am 90% sure this is true. Genesis is renamed Stuff Happened. It's no. like it's like street like ebonicsy type version and I used to I used to read it when I worked at the library with Josh actually. I would I would that was in my section of shelving one year and every time it came back I would just sit and read and I would laugh out loud because it it's just anyhow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sorry. sure I, how I feel about that. So and then I do I do go to the King James version on occasion because I just think there are certain times where it just really captures or gives you a word that maybe you didn't think of. And yeah, just certainly you, that poetic language tends to paint a nicer, yeah. or a picture that you don't get otherwise. So, uh, well, in my but my in my defense, Dave. Yeah. My issue with the Uversion app is not um, the stuff that you listed. Okay. Like getting your plan, great. I wish the ESV app had such a quick way to get mm-hmm. to your reading plan. The reading screen is great. Highlighting, like, all that stuff works great. The ability to share on a cool image or whatever, like, that stuff's cool. It's when you open it up and there's, like, here's the 19 new reading plans that are based on TV shows. And here's all your friends. Like, there's a social aspect to it, too. And so, like, if you follow friends or have friends on YouVersion, all the stuff that they do is there. And so the home screen is just, like, if you don't know what you're doing or where you're going, it's just a total, like... Oh, this is way too... Which is why I compared it to the ESPN website, which, right. by the way, got a redesign. <laughs> it's still super ugly, um, but it's better than it used to be. Um, so to me, that's there, there's just too much information thrown at you when you open the app. I if you, agree if with you that. know what you're doing and where you're going, it's great. That is true. Um, but you, know, you compare that to the ESV app when you open it, it's just like, oh, which book of the Bible do I have to read? click and then there's a grid of chapters you click on one there's a grid of verses there's not the scroll because like say you want to read isaiah 64 you're just like <laughs> i gotta scroll for a year and a half no but with the grid it's all right there on the screen you know yeah so anyhow apparently i care about design a little bit but anyways thanks to josh kennedy for uh tweeting at us and showing us a new bible app that i didn't even know existed this is true so thank you very much josh i hope you are well sir all right, so do you have anything more to say about no. Bible apps? I could talk nerdy tech stuff all day. No. Okay. All right, so a couple episodes ago, my sister was on the show. Yes. In fact, wasn't was that episode 10 or 11, Dave? I think it was 10. So it was, yeah, because we okay, so it was two episodes ago. And we talked about um, our enemies and stuff. And yes. So I posed a somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but still philosophical question of, well, if we're supposed to pray for our enemies, should we be praying for Satan? Because he is the enemy. And so uh, in that episode, we actually we mentioned two of um, two professors from Taylor. Um, and my sister went back and talked to Dr. Spiegel, who's one of the philosophy professors at Taylor, and asked him this question. <laughs> should we pray for the devil? And she explained, I was on the podcast with my brother, yada, yada, yada. We were talking about this passage, and 
I talked to her today, and she said that Dr. Spiegel's first response was, hmm, that's a really good question, so I feel awesome. <laughs> He's super smart. Um, but then he said, uh, his, his response to the question was, well, based on the context of the passage, it's speaking about, you know, human-to-human relationships, uh, enemies that we have with other physical, you know, human beings, and that in that instant or in that context it would not apply to satan plus satan's fate is pretty much not pretty much it is already sealed yeah and if we were to open up this can of worms of praying for satan and demons and all that stuff then it would be kind of this really screwy offshoot of christianity that the bible doesn't really uphold and so pretty much he just agreed with what the three of us concluded was nah we shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) but it's nice to know that that someone as uh learned and um well thought agrees with us so thank you dr spiegel for the boost to my ego i appreciate it (laughs) anything else you want to talk about before we dive in uh no i think that's good all right well will you read passage for us sure we are at matthew 6 5 through 8 and we're going to be talking about prayer tonight so here we go and when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others truly i say to you they have received the reward but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray for your father who is in secret And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. All right. Thanks, Dave. Yep. All right. What is hypocritical about praying to be seen by others? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> well, Dave, you're supposed to have all the answers. That's oh, why I ask the questions. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I guess my short answer is is um, I, I wouldn't have associated hit being a, a hypocrite with doing that. That was kind of my initial just sort of um, gut reaction to why is it hypocritical and i was like well that's not being a hypocrite you know hypocrite is saying one thing and doing another and so i guess um that's to me that's kind of the the starting point is it it obviously there's a discrepancy between uh what we say and then what we do Mm -hmm. and uh so i think ultimately that's the uh the short answer um, for me, is that um, we we shouldn't be praying for an audience. We shouldn't be praying for other people. Ultimately, we should be praying to God and for God. And um, in a sense, for ourselves. Um, and this is kind of one of the things that I think um, is over the next couple of weeks as we talk about prayer, um, just that kind of being able to separate um, praying what God wants us to pray uh, versus praying what we want to pray and how do we know the difference and it, it um, I don't know, maybe I'm going too far down the road with that. So ultimately, I think, again, the short answer is 
what is the heart behind why we are praying? Uh, and I don't think it's to draw attention to ourselves. Instead, the purpose of praying is to seek God and His will and to seek His glory and really not our own. Yeah, and I think that is um, pretty well summed up in Luke chapter 18, um, where it's the, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And he says, uh, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so if you look at what the text says here in verse 5, it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners, that they may be seen by others. And I think that's the... I don't think there's anything wrong with praying in church I no we're kind of encouraged to do that as a body of believers <laughs> but if we're praying in front of others so that they can be like oh wow look how much scripture dave knows look how well spoken he is right. he must be such a good christian god <laughs> must really love him you know and if that's the whole motivation right kind of like that that uh pharisee there was just like i'm so glad i'm not like that guy over there i'm glad that i fast and i tie that i'm so wonderful yeah and and it really does get to the motivation and so i think when he says what's well, hypocritical about praying to be seen by others is that that's not the point of prayer the point of prayer is to be close and united with god and so the hypocritical thing is to say i'm praying to be close with god but really i'm doing it so that you'll think i'm awesome and so i mean hypocrite kind of seems to not be the first word I would choose, but it really right. is. It is, it's, yeah. It's it's like a hypocritical hypocritical soul almost. You're you're dressing yourself up in in religious niceties only to fuel your ego. Yes. Um. Also, I was doing a little research today at work because we were super slow at one point, <laughs> and the the Greek word there uh, for seen, um, one of the one of the translations or definitions for it is shine oh so like they may shine before others it's kind of like oh okay that that kind of brings out some of the um uh, motivation behind why they would pray in public yeah yeah and i you know i think the other thing too is it's a it's a a cultural thing you know i don't think well one for back in the day um you know, the Pharisees wanted to be seen, wanted to be notarized. And prayer was a part of everyday life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think in some ways if you're listening and we're talking about this and you're not part of a, a church or just the culture as a whole, you'd be like, what's the big deal about praying in, in public? People are going to probably, you know, uh, either they're going to ignore you, they're going to throw things at you, they're going to say, you know, why would you want to even pray in public? But... I think it, it's kind of what you were saying. If if you're in the church and you're using these big flowery ten dollar words and you know, and I'm probably guilty of this. Well, I know I'm guilty of I'm guilty of wanting my prayer to sound like I'm polished and mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing. So 
you know. Just going to Old English every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. He that hath forsaken thine. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, so it's, it, 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 for us today, it may not be the street corner, uh, but it is definitely a, if you're praying uh, in a group of people worrying about how eloquently you can pray and that the, sort of thing. The office Bible study before work. Yeah. To show off for all the other. Yeah. All right. After the, right after that, it says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What, what does Jesus mean when he says they've received, what, what reward are they going to receive or have they received? I, to me, it's a pretty simple. They, they're praying to be seen by people and while they're being seen. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's kind of like, all right, if that's what you want, then, you know. There you go, yeah. Whereas I think, uh, and I I believe, I, I'm fairly confident that a vast majority of people out there, whether they would consider themselves a current follower of Jesus or uh, an atheist, I'm, I'm willing to bet that most folks at some point in their life have prayed a very genuine prayer to God. And um, I think that's that's ultimately is just sort of that, the heart behind why are you praying? Mm-hmm. And if your heart behind praying is just to be seen by people, well, here you go. People are seeing you pray. Whereas if you're genuinely, you know, saying, God, this is something I want to see happen. This is something, you know, I want this person to be healed. I want this person to, um, you know, get a job. I want this, you know, I want this. And I, I, I'm asking for this. That's ultimately what your reward is, is you want an answer to that pr- prayer versus just somebody hearing you pray to God. And so if my reward is somebody hearing me pray to God, well, big deal. What I really want is I want this person's cancer to to go away and I want them to live the life that they were supposed to live. So yeah, they get their reward. (laughs) All right. Continuing on in verse six, it says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to our father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. Why should, why should we pray in private? Like what he's made it clear that, that public praying for the, um, self-aggrandizement is not what prayer is about but why does it fit in a private situation well and, and that was another thing too that i had to to think about because um i think when i initially think of private i think of alone mm-hmm. and i don't think that's even necessarily the case either because clearly scripture is full of examples where we are called to pray with other people and so um, and we'll dive into that later on Exactly. So I don't know, you know, uh, one of the things that, well, well, uh, this truly has just come to me at this moment. All right. So, and I don't know that this means anything. Breaking news. (laughs) I don't know that this means anything. Okay. And I don't know. God be glorified if (laughs) this is, okay. Cam and I pray most of the time (laughs) before we start a podcast. Mm -hmm. We don't do it for everybody else to hear. For those of you that are <laughs> happening to watch on uh, Periscope, we don't do it for your benefit. I, I truly think well, we don't it's... We not have Periscope turned on when we pray. No, and that's what I'm saying. Is, yeah. is I think it's a truly a moment of you and I going before God and not asking Him to bless what you and I are doing, 
but to truly say, God, we want to be a part of what your master plan is, what you desire to see happen is. And so I, I think that's the example of, um, and again, I, I'm always like, I never want to hold myself up as do what I'm doing. I'm, I got it all together kind all right, of a thing. Because <laughs> by no means do we have it all together. But, um, you know, this is the first time we've talked about prayer. So there's kind of this like realization to me of we don't ever do that on the podcast. We don't ever do it uh, for anybody that happens to, to be watching online. Because um, one, I think there's a, uh, if I can dare use this word, there's an intimacy of going before God and, um, it's really for nobody else's benefit. It's our hearts before God and what we're asking of, of him. And, um, so I, I, I guess that's, I, it sounds kind of odd to even say that, but it's, it's an intimate thing to do and it's really not for public view. And generally, when we talk about doing things that are intimate and private, then that's what they are. They're private. They're not out there <laughs> for everybody else uh, to watch. And um, again, what is the purpose behind the act that you're doing? Uh, we're not trying to press anybody. We're not trying to gain favor with anybody else uh, other than coming before the Lord and letting him know what our hearts are. So I don't know. <laughs> I think it helps remind us of what prayer should be about. Yeah. Um, here's a purely opinion question. Why is it so hard to go somewhere private and pray? Or I'm assuming it's hard for other people. It's hard for me. <laughs> I can think of 95 other things that I'd rather do or should do or need to get done. But why, why, if it's so important, why is it so hard for someone like me to do it and not get sidetracked and not realize 15 minutes later that I've been daydreaming for 12 of those 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah, and I, I know I say this a lot, but I always, um, I always have my initial kind of re- response to um, why is that you know, what is the case? And so I, I want to say, because we have a ton of distractions, we have TV, we have our phones, um, things that are much easier, things that are much easier, intimate. that are less intimate. But then I, you know, a quote from John Wesley, who I believe lived in the 18th century in the 1700s. Sounds right. Um, I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer before I am able to do it. So here's a guy that lives. Take that productive ninjas. (laughs) At least 300 years ago. And is that right? Maybe two two to 300 years ago. (laughs) Two to 300 years ago. And he considers himself so busy. You know, just even to use those words, so busy. Mm -hmm. um, That he spends several hours in prayer. And then there's a whole nother kind of like side to that of, wow, he's so busy. He has to pray for several hours and I don't do that. So I, I just think it's, I think it's, um, it's human nature. We will always find something, uh, to occupy our time. that'll take us away from God. Um, why is that harder? I don't know. It's one of the things that 
if I'm permitted to shake my fist at God that I always ask him, I'm like, why is it so hard? Like, why? Like, you know, my heart. Well, that's even, (laughs) oh gosh, you know, my heart. Um, I believe I have a true desire to seek you. Why is it so stinking hard to do that? Um, and I'm, I'm going to venture that it's sin. And then even beyond sin, uh, there's an element of discipline and habits and we fall into what's easy. We fall into what we know. And, um, if you took somebody like John Wesley and you took his, you know, several hours of prayer away from him, he would not be comfortable with that because he's created a habit. Mm -hmm of multiple prayer where, um, you know, in 2015, we create this habit of, um, I got to have my downtime before the TV. I got to have my morning coffee. I've got to read and check all my emails. I've got to do all these different things that seem to distract me. Um, so I don't know, I guess that's my take on why it's so hard. All right. And here's a leading question. Mm-hmm. Uh, has our reliance upon technology for communication made this harder? <laughs> Text messages, Snapchats, Twitter, Facebook. I, I think so. Because one of the things that I don't think we do very well is we don't listen very well. And, um, you know... Everything is so instantaneous. It's so quick. And in particular, um, I'm guilty of, you know, being somebody that, that, that has a job that everybody feels like they can have a commentary on. <laughs> um, when there are things in the news and people make their comments about what is in the news, I, I want to read those kind of comments of what people say. So, blogs on the newspaper, blogs on, you know, a TV station type post or whatever. And the thing, well, one, I kind of get caught up in things that people say sometimes because it's like, you don't understand, you have never done this job, you can't relate or, you know, spend a day in my shoes, whatever, however you want to put it. But ultimately, as I step back and I look at what people are saying, whether it's against the police or it's Mm pro-police, is nobody is taking the time to listen to what the other side is saying. They've got their answer ready as soon as the other person says something, and it's like, I'm going to put you in your place, I'm going to prove that you're wrong, and here are my reasons why it is. So, uh, long-winded answer again. I think it does make it more difficult because, uh, one, we are a society of instant results you know we don't have to wait very long for just about anything and two um it just seems like we're more concerned with getting our voice and our opinion out there than really taking the time to listen to somebody else and i think listening um, is something that all of us could probably do better yeah probably um i think this is this question to me is um, a very kind of um, well to me it's it's like an interesting paradox because 
the amount of communication that is going on, you know, through text messages, Snapchats, Facebook comments, Twitter followers, we all have this desire to be known and to be popular and to be liked and to have other people like our photos or retweet our, you know, like we're, we're sending all the stuff out there looking for nothing but, oh, I like that. You're great. You're awesome. You're super cool. Like we're doing everything we can to make communication with other people um, and getting that instant feedback better but we're doing it at the at the cost of like an actual relationship you know what yeah. I mean oh yeah and so I think this this dichotomy of the the digital communication and digital friends and online you know this or that versus the you know and that's safe because there's a barrier between you and them but you can still get the oh yay or the you know you can get trolled and that you know hurts just as bad but there's like there's like a physical buffer between you and that person and you can just unfollow them or block them or mute them or whatever and their comments no longer enter your life Mm -hmm. you take that which is kind of like the bastardized version of what a relationship is supposed to be and you compare that to what prayer is and it's you alone in a room with the creator of the universe. It's a little intimidating, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, humans clearly have this desire to communicate, to, to be known, to be loved, to have other people um, say and do nice things to them. But we're so afraid of exposing who we really are to somebody that the idea of prayer to a god is frightening and I'd rather just put the best of my life on Instagram so that everyone else feels envious and just wallow in self-pity on the other end because I'm not complete, you know? And so if anything I think that the amount of social media and digital communication that goes on proves the point that as humans we desire real relationships but we are scared out of our minds to actually have them and I know that's a that's a, that's a generalization but at the same time I think it kind of it's true mm-hmm. um, you know the thought of of burying your soul before the god of the universe is I mean, rightfully frightening I mean yeah absolutely he doesn't he, he does and should invoke a certain fear. And what's worse is he already knows, but you still gotta tell him. <laughs> Come yeah. on. So I don't know. Next question. Uh-huh. All right, let's move on. All right, so verse four, verse six, and later on in verse eighteen, when we're talking about fasting we'll see that all three of these verses end with the same statement. And that statement is, Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What do prayer, giving, and fasting have in common that God would reward us in secret for doing those things in His honor? Um, well, um, and I, I, I wouldn't have put... I would have put uh, giving and fasting in a category together. And I wouldn't have necessarily put prayer with those other two. 
in terms of, um, uh, and I don't know that the, I'm going to use the correct terminology here, but um, kind of a spiritual um, formation or spiritual, uh, and I'm not going to be able to say Discipline? this here. Discipline, thank you, um, of abstinence where you kind of withdraw from something. So like if I'm fasting, I'm choosing not to eat, I'm choosing not to do uh, I, I believe you can fast from a lot of things. You can fast from television. You can fast from social media. Uh, kind of in the tradition of what are you giving up for Lent? You know, mm-hmm. anything you can give up for Lent could probably um, fall under that fasting. And then even giving, there's an element of um, I'm choosing to, uh, instead of buying this CD, instead of spending my money on this audiobook instead of going out for a cup of coffee i'm choosing to give my money for this so there's kind of this um, a spiritual discipline of um and abstinence isn't the word that i'm looking for but i can't it's it's escaping me right now but where i'm going without kind of a thing mm-hmm. um and i wouldn't have put prayer with those other two things in terms of a uh, a spiritual discipline um and going without because I've always thought of prayer of being a, um, and again, this probably speaks to my focus of what I think of prayer because I make it all about me and I don't make it all about God. Um, but so, yeah, I think there's, uh, in those three things, after my rambling, I'm going to say uh, they are ways that manifest dying to self and allowing God to be Lord of our life. And so I would say that's what those three things have in common. Yeah, I was just going to say that there are three things, there are three spiritual disciplines that help us focus on God and not ourselves. So that's exactly what you said. (laughs) Much, much more concise than my rambling. (laughs) Well, I had the pleasure of letting you do the rambling, and I could just come in and clean it up. Thank you, I appreciate that. All right. What does it mean uh, to heap up empty phrases? And this goes to verse 7. It says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. What is What does that term mean, to heap up empty phrases? Oh, I think it, it means to... Well, again, I think there's, an, there's a cultural element there of... You know, when Jesus was writing this and the Pharisees and the Jews in general, um, they had a lot of canned prayers that they were supposed to pray. And in particular, they had prayers that they were supposed to pray at different times of the day. And um, so I think there was a certain segment of the population that got their sort of their canned prayers out of the way. And they had done their good deed for the day and what they needed to do and they were ready to move on. And then there were folks like the Pharisees that were like, well, I'm not just going to say my canned prayer. I'm going to throw all this stuff out there and put all these fancy words um, in the place. And uh, I see you have your Bible open over there. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say because I have a scripture in mind that I think speaks to this as well. All right. So um, when it comes to heaping up empty phrases and and doing all of the, you know, rain dancing sort of, of gibberish. Um, one passage comes to mind is First Kings uh, chapter 18. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. 
uh, starts in verse 25, and this is Elijah with the prophets of Baal. It says, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So he's pretty much asking them, you know, if your God's real, have him set the fire, like fire from heaven. Type yeah. Thing, which we know God's got, that's like right in his back pocket. Fire from heaven, <laughs> not a problem. Uh, verse 26, so they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, and this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, <laughs> Cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he's musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. And while this may be an extreme example with the cutting and the, you know, the nasty stuff, the, the idea of throwing up empty phrases is the repetitive, Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer Just repeating and repeating nonsense to be heard. Yeah. Or to put on a show where they're like, oh, look how holy and devout they are to their God because they're just saying the same thing but doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe he's too busy taking a dump to bother <laughs> with you right now. <laughs> so good. What a, what a good little jab. All right, Dave, what were you thinking? I was thinking Romans eight twenty six, which reads, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I think that's one of the things that, that we forget is that if we come before God with a sincere heart and a desire, uh, he intercedes on our behalf and he prays in a way that we just can't even imagine. And so to think that we need to come before him with a bunch of flowery words and uh, just, you know, fancy phrases and all that kind of thing. It's just completely unnecessary because uh, our heart is known to Jesus and he intercedes on our behalf. So, yeah, there's a proverb in uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. It says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, <laughs> but whoever restrains his lips is prudent, which I just think is kind of a. You always know the guys who are trying to talk your ear off or up to no good, right? <laughs> same thing when it comes to, to prayer before God. We're just trying to say so much that people will just lip service, really, you know? Yep, absolutely. Um, but then there's also, um, so like, there's there's that side of it. But mm-hmm. then there's also, if you look at um, like Mark chapter 14... Mark chapter 14, verse 39. This is when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. So that it's not just that repeating what you're praying is bad. Like if you flip to Psalm 136, uh, that refrain over and over and over again is... Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It's 26 verses long, and every verse ends with, for his steadfast love endures forever. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of heaping up empty phrases is not just the idea of repetition. It's the repetition of garbage. Right. It's the repetition of meaningless stuff that is meant to make you look 
good or make you sound pious, but there's no um, substance to it. Right. Whereas repeating his steadfast love endures forever is repeating the truth of who God is and his characteristics. Yeah. And next week we're going to jump into the Lord's Prayer, which has probably been repeated more times than any other prayer. And I, as we'll, we'll probably discuss next week of just, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's a model for us and there's, mm-hmm. there's value in repeating that. But again, it's kind of the, what is the heart behind that? You know, are we just saying it out of rote memory and, uh, out of, uh, ritual mm-hmm. or is there a, yeah, and and it's it, it, take any of that, and it's easy for all of us to fall into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I just I, I guess I believe on a certain level, God honors just showing up. Um, and now, if we just show up day in and day out, not so much. But there are just those kind of days where uh, we're obedient and we show up and he honors that and intercedes on our behalf on a level that we just can't comprehend. So, and again, we'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll get into the Lord's prayer more next week. But like you said, it, just because you repeat something doesn't mean, doesn't make it, doesn't make it true. Or yeah. Meaningful. <laughs> the sky is red. The sky is red. The sky. <laughs> what was that phrase that, that Dallas Willard had from in living in Christ's presence? Uh, certainty. There's a lot of people that have been very certain and also been very wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainty is a mental state, not a... Um, oh. Certainty is a mental state, not a... Not a fact of reality. I don't know, the way he said it was just perfect. It's like, there have been many people who have been certain. Very certain. And been wrong. Been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, and it goes with verse 8. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So, Dave, if God knows what we need, do we even need to ask? Doesn't that kind of just... Short answer, yes. I think we do need to ask. But why? He already knows. Well, I'm guessing that this is going to take a lot longer than what we have left for tonight. We'll we'll, we'll jump into again next week. But but prayer is just one of those things that... Uh, I lump in that category of um, you can't understand it completely, but you better do it. And um, like geometry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe wholeheartedly that prayer influences God. And I think the Bible from beginning to end is full, mm-hmm. is full of God changing his mind. And I don't think people... Like that interaction he has with Abraham. Like interaction with Abraham and Lot and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And, um, you know, it talks about Jacob wrestling with God. And I think there's there's an an element to that as well Mm -hmm. there. Um, And again, but I also believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe he has a, a master plan. Um. There is there is something unique that occurs in this life that we live down here on earth that prepares us for, for heaven. And I think prayer is one of those things that we partake in that um, prepares us for heaven. I believe it has an influence on whether God acts or not. Um, 
but I think there are certain things that God's going to do that our prayer is not going to have an effect over. And I think there are areas where our prayer can expedite what he's going to do. I think there are thing, there are times where God may not have planned on acting and our prayer will cause him to act. And I think there's even places where he has a certain way he's going to act and then our prayers will change the way he's going to act. And ultimately, I think you've described any kind of healthy relationship with another human being. You know, hmm. if, if we're interacting with another human being, we can um, come to them and make a request that they ignore and don't do anything about. They can go, oh, I had no idea that that was even a factor and I want to be a part of that. Or they can say, um, well, this is what I was planning to do and this is what I'm going to do. And in that, I don't think that denies God's sovereignty. Uh, the other piece that I believe in all of this is that um, God is not dependent on our prayer to act. I don't think he needs our prayer to act, which I think maybe John Wesley, Armenianism, that may be something I need to look up between now and next week, um, uh, where God doesn't act unless we pray. And I may be falsely attributing that to well, John yeah, so, Wesley. Well, the, the, the biggest issue between Calvinism and Arminianism, not the biggest, one of them is predetermination versus free will. And Calvinists are predeterminists through and through. God <laughs> preordains right. everything. And Arminianism is much more about, I mean, they, they re- recognize the sovereignty of God, but free will has a much yeah. uh, higher value than, than it does in Calvinism. So I guess for me, uh, I God is still sovereign, and prayer is just one of those is is a way that we get to interact with Him, uh, because we are supposed to be in relationship with Him, and to truly be in relationship with Him, I think there's you kind of have to have those three options of um, what how our prayer affects Him, and um, I I think there's even an element of. God's going to do what's going to God's going to do and it's kind of cool to get to be a part of it <laughs> you know <laughs> and he is gracious enough to let his creation be a part of what he is doing mm-hmm. and that happens through prayer so well, I think that was a good brief <laughs> I don't know we'll see I'll have to ask you again next week and see if you can <laughs> say that again yeah just for fun right <laughs> I think that's it for episode 12, Dave. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us all the way through. Um, if you want to get in touch with anything, if, we, if we're wrong about the Arminianism, Arminianism uh, yeah. Calvinism thing, let us know. Yes, please. If, if you think that, that I'm totally wrong for not liking you version, you can let me know. I can handle <laughs> it. I'm a big boy. I can handle the, the confrontation. Or no, we're good Christians. The carefrontation. <laughs> the carefrontation. So, get in touch. Masterclass FM on Twitter. Masterclassfm at gmail.com for email. Um, or you can find the show notes for this very episode of all the lovely things that we talked about. Although there will be links to the, the Bible passages that we quoted, to um, the new Bible, to 
to all that good stuff at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 12. Or if you're listening in a podcast client on your phone or computer, you can most likely find the show notes there as well while you listen, so you can follow along. I think... Do you have anything you want to say to our lovely listeners, Dave? I am just grateful for anybody who listens, and I just I continually... Um, have these conversations with folks that just share with me that they're listening and they may or may not share on Twitter. They may not say anything on our, on the, you know, the webpage or, um, but I, I'm just grateful for anybody that listens. And again, don't claim to have all the answers still just kind of seeking this out ourselves. And so, uh, yeah, if we ever say anything, that you feel like you want to challenge us on um, or that it's just outright wrong. We'd love to hear from you. We need to. We need to hear. And if you want to remain anonymous, that's, I get that too. And um, just incredibly grateful for anybody that does listen and spend this time with us because ultimately it's, it's about glorifying God and desiring to know him better. And um, just appreciate that uh, there are folks out there that are, willing to come and do this journey with us. So that's about all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.